Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, please. Isaiah chapter 9. It's a joy to be in the house of God and to see you here. And hasn't the Lord given us a beautiful day? Amen. This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We praise God for His goodness. A little while ago, Brother Daniel read some of this passage. I want to read again, beginning with verse 1, chapter 9 of Isaiah. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increase the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The book of Isaiah is a miniature Bible. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. Chapters 1 through 39 roughly depict the Old Testament a prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah. Chapters 40 through 66 roughly cover the New Testament period, the presentation of Christ as the Messiah. So you have in the book of Isaiah, the gospel of Isaiah, the entire Bible in miniature form. 39 books, chapters in the Old Testament predicting the coming of Christ, 27 chapters or books in the New Testament presenting Christ. And as we remember that, we remember that Isaiah is one of the most beloved of all the books. Isaiah preached during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Manasseh. From 740 B.C. to 680 B.C., 60 years of ministry. As far as we can tell in the Old Testament prophets, there were others that lived a little bit longer, but none wrote more profusely about the coming of Christ, unless it was Daniel. And Daniel probably served 72 years in the courts of the kings. There was terrible sin in the day in which Isaiah wrote and lived. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 1, you'll see a little bit of picture of this. Beginning in verse 3, the ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider, ah, sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are the corruptors, 
they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. And in the catalog of sins in those first chapters of Isaiah, he mentions cheating, lying, adultery, fornication, pornography, promiscuity, free sex, abortion, lust, luxury, liquor, gambling, profanity, neglecting of God, indifference to the things of God, neglecting the Holy Spirit, apostate in the things which deal with God, and the sin of being a used-to-be. Now you think of that. Isaiah preached for 60 years in a whole area that was filled with that kind of debauchery and sin. In this section, Isaiah deals with a people who were deeply hurt. So I want you to notice these words in that phrase, the people that walked in darkness. First of all, the word people. The people were depressed. They were discouraged. They were defamed. They were derelict. They were in terrible trouble. In their tragedy, the things that used to be weren't any longer. The freedom and joys they once had were no longer there. Babylon, Egypt, Assyria, all gathered together against the little nation Israel. The most threatening among them was Assyria at this time. And they came down towards Zebulun and Naphtali. And if you look at the map, up just around the Sea of Galilee and north of that are the areas that God told Moses to give to the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali. And when the Assyrians came, they approached them first. And that's the reason Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 1, the people that walked in dark, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as what as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and land of Nephtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict them. You see, the affliction came on those northern states or provinces. Then later, they moved down and down, and Assyria swallowed up the entire north Israel. And in 722 B.C., northern Israel went into oblivion. They called it the ten lost tribes of Israel. Never again did they gather again in the nation. Now some have believed that in the gathering together today in Israel, there's some that are coming from all over the world, and perhaps some of those are some of the ten lost tribes of Israel. But they have lost their identity. No one can tell for sure whether they're of the tribe of Dan or Asher or Zebulun or Nephtali or Judah. They do not know. They're gathering back in that land as Israelites or as Jews. But the people were in terrible darkness. They were distraught. If you have studied the Civil War very much here in America, you know what happens in the states that made up the Confederacy. When Sherman, the Union general, marched down through Tennessee and Georgia, he made ransacked all of that area of Georgia. Savannah fell, and the farms were burned, and the houses were burned, and the barns were burned, 
and the people sat in darkness. It was a time like that in Israel's history. They were destitute. They thought everybody despised them. They looked on their right hand and left and no one would know them. There was no hope. And then God said, Isaiah, you go down there and preach to them a message of hope. It isn't going to be hopeless forever. Amen. The people that walk in darkness will see a great light. Amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's a sense in which we walk in darkness today. There's a lot of darkness all around us. The people then were in distress, in despair. They were distraught. Today, we're afraid of the Taliban. We had to deal with Afghanistan. And now we're wondering what's going to happen with Iraq. Our political leaders in Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the Lord our God. Amen. We're worried about the weapons of mass destruction. We're worried about the wrong approach that maybe our political leaders may take. We do not know what to do. Even though the month of December will be Christmas month and there's a lot of excitement and joy and the lights are here and I like all of that, it's beautiful. But underneath it all, there's a little thread of uneasiness. There's a darkness. And Isaiah said, now you tell them, the people that walk in darkness will see a great light. Amen. The interesting thing about the Hebrew when Isaiah said this, he spoke in the present perfect, as if it had already happened. He said, the people that walked in darkness have seen, just as if it had already happened. And in prophetic truths, the scriptures that deal with prophecy speak of it as if it had already happened. A little bit later in verse 6, he says, for unto us a child not shall be born, but is born. Unto us a son not shall be given, but is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of his increase there will be no end. And the government will sit upon his shoulder. You see, all those things are past, present, perfect in that tense in the Hebrew language. In other words, God is saying through Isaiah, don't worry. Look up, your redemption draweth nigh. All that you're going through, the darkness, as dense as it is, is not going to be permanent, not going to be forever. So one of the big hopes of the Christmas time is to remind our people that God came tabernacling in human flesh to say, I love you. Amen. World, I love you. You've wondered who God is and what God is like. I'm sending a person named Jesus who is God incarnate in human flesh. Amen. You look at him and you've seen me. Amen. Jesus himself said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show me the Father, and it will suffice us. If you have seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Amen. Now there came a day in one of his disciples' lives named Thomas, and the, the Lord, the risen Christ, had, had appeared to the, in the upper room with the disciples, and Thomas wasn't at church that night. And the next day they said, hey, Tom, Jesus was there last Sunday night. I said, I don't believe that. I'd have to see him. I'd have to put my hands in his nail prints. 
have to thrust my hand on his side. I don't believe that was Jesus. I don't believe he's alive. Next Sunday night, guess who came to church? Thomas the doubter. Now, I'm glad he came. And I don't like to call him a doubter because all of us have gone through the same type of problems. But when he was there, Jesus came. And without saying a word, he didn't say, hey, Thomas, you've doubted me. Shame on you. He didn't say anything like that. And remember, the Lord is not harsh with those who have questions. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't scold us. You have problems? Tell Jesus about them. You have doubts? Go to him about them. Go to the word of God. Don't be ashamed and bottle them up and suffer inside of yourself. Tell them about him. So Thomas had said these things and Jesus already knew it because the Lord is present everywhere. You think Jesus is here today? Was he with you last night? Was he with you yesterday? Was he with you at the shopping mall? Was he with you in the rush on Friday? He's there. He's with his own. Well, Jesus said, hey, Tom, here are my hands. Put your hand in my hand. Thrust your hand in my side. Be not doubting, but faithful. And Thomas didn't do it. He simply said, my Lord and my God, I believe you. I know you. You know what Jesus said then? Something that need, every one of us needs to remember. He said, blessed are you, Thomas, you've seen and believed, but blessed are those who will not see, but will believe because of your word. That includes us. I've never seen Jesus. I've never seen the print in his hands or the, the, nail, the, the sword placed in his side. I've never seen all of that. But one day, by faith, I saw him. I asked him to come into my life and my heart, and he came in, and the darkness disappeared. Jesus, the light of the world. He is the light in a dark time. Are you going through a difficult time in your life right now? There may be some within the sound of my voice today. The doctor told you you have cancer. Or he's told you you don't have very long. Or you have a problem. Or he said, your loved one's not going to be here very long. And there's a hurt inside. It hurts. It stings. Or maybe you're having financial problems. You do not know how in the world you're going to... Or maybe you're having home problems. One of the most tragic things in the world is for a wife to come home and say to her husband, I don't love you anymore. I want somebody else. Or a husband to come home and say, I don't love you anymore, I want somebody else. Go through a dark time. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Who is this light? On that night of nights, Jesus, God sent a band of angels to say to some shepherds, they were out keeping their watch in the night. And all of a sudden they saw an angel. I don't know what the angel looked like. I believe in angels. And this angel said, don't be afraid. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign of you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the shepherds said, That must be the light. And they left the darkness of the fields and the shepherd's field, went into Bethlehem and found him and knelt before him. Way over in the east, over in Persia, and if you look at a map, Persia is where Iran and Iraq meet today. It's in that land area. You remember years and years ago, Daniel was taken captive from Jerusalem to Babylon, which is now Iraq. And there he was to be trained like the wise men of that period of time. And he refused. He purposed in his heart. And they allowed him to prove himself for 10 days. And he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego demonstrated that they were on God's team. And God elevated Daniel. And for 72 years, he served in the courts of the kings. And he wasn't quiet about his faith. You know, sometimes people say, well, when you get into a public arena, you ought to be quiet about your faith. Don't brag about it. Don't talk about it. People think you're just trying to get elected. I disagree with that. I think if a man believes in God, he ought to say it. Thank God for the ones that do. Well, Daniel wasn't quiet. He told what he believed and where he stood. And you know what happened? They elevated him. And he kept on writing. And the last chapters of Daniel tell the exact time when Jesus would be born, when the Messiah would come. Amen. We'll get to that in our study of Daniel as we study it through in the, in the Sunday evening services. The wise men, the astrologers, those who stood in the place of the ancient wise men, they were the wise men who studied the book of Daniel. They looked for the sign of his coming. And they saw a star. It wasn't an ordinary star. I don't know whether anybody else could see it or not. But that star represented light. The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. And they in that eastern pagan land of Persia saw a light. And they followed that light to Jerusalem. And then to Bethlehem. And they presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And ladies and gentlemen, the world has never been right since, never been like it since. Never been the same. It's always been different because Jesus is the light of the world. Some of you have him in your heart. You've invited the light to come and live inside of you. That's the reason you have light. You know, there are some people who are filled with darkness. I was at the nursing home this morning getting Mrs. Gross. And a lady dealing out the medicine got some wrong medicine and she said, oh, she had a, some kind of filthy word. And I thought, here is somebody trying to take care of the elderly and has no light at all. She's just ignorant, doesn't know any better words to use than that. There are people in darkness. You go out in the workaday world, you hear it all the time. Filthy, cursing, swearing, smutty, dirty jokes because they're dwelling in darkness. But you and I have the light for the lost to see. And if we'll go and tell them about the light and let the Holy Spirit do his work of conviction and conversion, the light will spring up in their hearts. That's what's happened to you. Everyone in this room was in darkness. Everybody, no exception. Every little boy, every little girl, 
Every man, every woman, every teenager, every old person. There was a time when we were in darkness. But the light came when we heard about Jesus. And the light of life came into our hearts and changed us. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And Jesus is that light. Has he shined in your heart? Have you received him as your personal Savior and Lord? If you have, praise him. If you have not, why not today open your heart to him? Let's bow together in prayer, please. Our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask Brian Berkeley to come and lead us in the invitation in just a moment or two. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, Jesus is the light. And if you're walking along a dark path this morning, worry, fretting, defeated, discouraged, look up. Jesus is a light. And he loves you and he wants you. Our Father, we pray that just now someone would open his heart to Jesus. And this would be a day of victory, a day of joy. We pray that every believer in this room would magnify Christ by saying, Thank you, Lord. I want to walk in the light as he is in the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What song are we singing? 154. Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Will you let him come into your heart and be your personal Savior? God loves you very, very much. He doesn't want you to go on in darkness. If you're worried, if you're afraid, if you've had things go wrong this week or this month or this year, turn to Jesus. You might be able to settle it right where you are. You may need to come and kneel at the altar. You may need to come and recommit your life to Christ. And friend, if you're not saved, don't leave without the light of life. Let Jesus come into your heart. While we sing, will you come?